1021 FM and 1350 ESPN. Des Moines Sports Leader. And that was gone! At Des Moines Radio Group Station. This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. Welcome in. Going to be a very fun show. I'm going to do something on this show, and I have been doing sports talk in some capacity on the radio for more than two decades, right? I am going to do something I have never done in my career, and I'll tell you what that is coming up in just a bit. But there is basketball to be spoken about. There is football to be talked about. There's a lot of emotions running out of Ames. And joining us right now to lead us off from CycloneAlert.com, Nick Osen is with us who covers the Iowa State Cyclones. Nick, appreciate the time. I'm going to start right here. What in the hell happened in that basketball game for the Cyclones against Pitt a week ago. Yeah, Mike, you know, it's, it's good to be back with you, my friend. And honestly, <laughs> that is just one of those games. You know, it's it's basically even as simple as you say. You, you, you really can't imagine it. But honestly, I think they played well enough, certainly defensively, there's no question, to win that game. I think they generated a lot of good looks, Mike. But, mm-hmm. you know, early on in the first half and then that stretch, I believe it was three or four minutes in the second half especially, they just simply couldn't get enough shots to go down. And I think that the players were very uh, honest and really straight up about it post game. Basically, they felt like they defended. You know, I do think there were a lot of good looks, but sometimes you have games where that just happens with those good looks and the shots don't fall. And unfortunately, it happened at the worst time for the team to kind of uh, wrap up the season this year. What changed after they were like 13 and two mid January? Well, quite honestly, I feel like it was just, you know, it was a couple of things. The Big 12 Conference, I think, as you're even seeing now, uh, really in March Madness, is, is just incredible. I think it's a really strong and deep conference. But even though I would say got off to a really impressive start within conference play, I think that the coaches, you know, including T.J. Osselberger and many around the league, are just so good at scouting, right, and recognizing when you've already played a team to kind of get used to uh, some of what they like to do, you know, the nuances of within how they play. And obviously there were just some really tough road trips within there as well. I think that they obviously hit a bit of a tough stretch, but then it seemed like they wrapped up the quote-unquote regular season, or at least before March Madness, really well. And I think things just didn't necessarily go perfectly uh, late, Mike. Yeah, it, it just seemed like a lot of stuff happened. And they just couldn't get back to playing as good a ball as they did, you know, the first half of the year. And again, Big 12 versus non-conference obviously is a completely, it's like JV and varsity. But I just, I, I could not believe the, and is it fair to call it a collapse, Nick? I I wouldn't quite go that far simply because of the level of competition uh, that you face, Mike. I think you can certainly say like maybe within certain games, like like the Texas tech game on the road. I think of, for example, they, they definitely struggled and kind of like blew the lead there. But otherwise, I mean, you look at their losses, either all or mostly tournament teams. And then, like I mentioned, 
like a perfect example, this Kansas State team that is getting so much mm-hmm. uh, positive attention, you know, around the country. Iowa State could have easily swept them. They won here at home, and then I, I was at that game, uh, you know, on the road in Manhattan, and they really dominated that first half. So I think a little bit of what I said, you know, the competition within the Big Twelve, and also. I feel like at times the team may have gotten some tired legs just because of, you know, maybe how intense and physical those games are within Big 12 play and maybe not going incredibly deep within that roster compared to maybe some of the other teams within conference as well. Talking to uh, Nick Osen, CycloneAlert.com. Follow him on Twitter at the real Nick Osen. I'm Mike Wicked here on ESPN Des Moines. Now, be honest, are Iowa State basketball fans rooting for Big 12? Because it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, so you know, you would, uh, you'd really be surprised based on what I've seen. And you know, I follow a decent amount of fans back, and certainly the readers on my board. I don't think they're necessarily pulling for Texas, maybe much, but Kansas <laughs> State. These fans were all about it last night. Like, yeah. like truly, you know, I don't think it helps that I think some of them maybe aren't huge Tom Izzo fans or Big Ten fans, but. Yeah, I was quite honestly surprised. I mean, I didn't really have like a rooting interest in that terrific game last night. You know, my bracket has already been kind of hurt. So I just wanted a good game. We got a great one. But yeah, a lot of them are actually even, it seems like pulling for the, the Kansas State Wildcats to make the final four, which I think obviously, I think most people would say that's a very likable team this season. And also it makes the conference look better to get yet another Final Four team this year. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. When I was at the well, I was talking to some Iowa fans, or even some Iowa State fans, and they were like, okay, we'll root for Big 12 teams, just not Kansas and not Texas. My neighbors are hardcore <laughs> Iowa State fans, and they were like, we're going to go, you know, we'll, we'll root for, we're going to watch the game and root against Texas, that last game of the, the Big 12 tournament. I'm like, okay, I, I, I understand it. Uh, real quick, last one on basketball, uh, Nick, before we switch over to pro day and, and NFL draft stuff about the cyclones. What's the team going to look like next year? Where do you see the team getting better? And what does Ots really have to look at here in the off season? Yeah, you know, perfect timing. I was actually kind of doing like a roster breakdown a little bit this week on the board. And, you know, I feel like how they're going to look next year. I think there's going to be some really good returning experience. Obviously, Heyman Lipsy looked like a star already and he's so young. So he'll have another year. Jeremiah Williams, another point guard, will be back. So they'll have a little more depth there. And I'm really excited. I think Iowa State fans should be as well for some of the positional versatility, I'll say, that could really be used, whether it's guys like Trey King, who really came on late. This freshman class is simply the best in school history, Mike. So that's going to be exciting with you know local star Omaha Blue, Milan Mumchilovich, who I covered a lot from Wisconsin. So a lot of depth and talent in kind of that three and four range. I think that a major thing that obviously uh, will be addressed, um, you know, obviously Gabe Kelsher is is moving on. They'll be chasing like a pro dream, I believe. Gabe, Caleb Grill was no longer with the team. So I think that shooting will definitely be something that will be focused on from Otzelberger and the staff headed into next season. But otherwise, I think there's a lot to be excited about, both with the returners, Mike, as well as the freshman class that I believe you're going to see contribute a lot right away in the first month or two of the year. I lied. What happened with Caleb Grill? That honestly, you know, you know, I felt like I got the sense it was a little bit of a, maybe a buildup of frustration. I, I don't think anybody's really going to get the full and exact 
uh, necessarily details of some of what went down, but I just, I didn't get the sense that it really happened, you know, overnight. I, I think it was a little bit of a buildup as well as I think that there was just a lot of frustration because he had been hurt for a while. And I don't think that he was used to that. And, you know, things just weren't necessarily going as smoothly as, as Caleb really expected, as well as obviously the team. So I just think that it was kind of one of those things that needed to be taken care of. Obviously, you saw some success from the team immediately after. And I think that his statement uh, that he put out after that happened was, you know, pretty honest and, and clear cut as well. I think it was a pretty deep and emotional thing really for everyone involved. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of evolve on both sides for sure. CycloneAlert.com's Nick Osen joining me. Follow him on Twitter at the real Nick Osen. I'm Mike Wickett here on ESPN Des Moines. We are fi- later on. I'm going to talk about how sick and tired I already am of everybody's mock drafts because it's getting a little. <laughs> I mean, we are five weeks out, and Nick, my Packers don't even know what picks they're going to have, you know, because of the Aaron yeah. Rodgers trade. But I, I do want to talk about a couple of guys. Uh, first, Will McDonald. Could we see history here? Could he be a first round pick? You absolutely could, Mike. So I was at Pro Day, you know, like we kind of mentioned early on. And I had high expectations. And I think that Will, he didn't necessarily have to do everything, right? Because he was already at the Combine and had a really good day. But the buzz that he has gotten since the end of the season has honestly been tremendous. I think you could see history with that first-round pick. And quite honestly, I, I actually did talk to some scouts that were there and have checked in throughout this process. I'm not going to guarantee it, but if you ask me to bet a side, I would take that he ends up in that first round. I just think that between the production, his work ethic, versatility, obviously the athleticism, I think that he's got a really good shot. And I've actually seen the Packers show some interest a little bit as well. I believe I saw that he posted that he was visiting uh, Green Bay recently, Mike, so that could end up working out for you there as well. Oh, I, I saw it. He put it up on, I think it was on Instagram and just a picture and it said Lambo. And I'm like, Ooh, make sure I get Nick on to talk about this. How do you think he fits into the NFL? I think he fits quite honestly, better than he may have in college. And that's saying something because he's one of the best sack leaders of all time. Uh, certainly within the big 12 conference, obviously. But I just think in the NFL, the, the talent level is so deep and versatile and kind of the schemes and how many legitimate stars you're going against on every defensive unit. So you have to key in on everyone. And I feel like that will open up more spots for him. And quite honestly, something that he's shown me this off season that I maybe didn't know quite as much only covering him for one year, but was really kind of some of his, you know, the in-depth nature of some of his moves. It's not just based on speed or athleticism. He's got a lot of really great technique. I think that he flashed some of that at senior day. And when you put all of that stuff together, Mike, I think you're looking at a guy that'll stick in the NFL for a very long time. Dude is strong too. And I just, I see some of these guys, these monsters, and then the, there's always those guys. Then you're like, why, how do you weigh 275, but you can't do the bench press 20 times. McDonald is a strong dude. And anywhere on that defensive line, you have to have that man strength. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, that's, that's the spot. You need to be one of the strongest players, certainly on the defense, maybe on the entire team, of course. And when you're able to put him on the edge, which I think is kind of his natural spot, I think that you can rush him from outside linebacker. I know that he talked about how he's had some spots really kind of inside and playing like that two or three tack in the D tackle role as well. But I think he's best on the outside. I think that he'll be able to 
low by tackles. And I think that he will show just the potential ceiling that he has at the next level. And I think Cyclones fans should be very excited night one of the draft. Does he have any coverage skills? Could he cover somebody out of the backfield or a tight end? Or is that just not something Will McDonald can do? No, he can. He can already. I don't think you saw a ton of it necessarily when he was with the Cyclones. But as we spoke with him Tuesday, he actually shared that's one of the one or two biggest things he's really worked on this offseason. I think it was focusing on some of his technique, building that weight up, which was maybe a potential quote-unquote concern for the league. And then, yeah, getting into some drop coverage and lining up against some guys in the flat, things of that nature. I think he's done it. And I think just because he's such a terrific athlete, I'm sure you know about kind of some of the basketball story and how he got into football late. I think that he'll be able to do that. And I'm truly intrigued by where he ends up and how that team will use him in the future. My Packers are finagling picks 42, 43, 45, whatever the Jets have acquired now, I have been told I'm crazy for Green Bay to use one of those picks in the 40s on day two in the second round on wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson. But I'm telling you, I don't think there is a more productive three-year starter coming out of the draft than the wide receiver out of Iowa State. And I love him. He catches everything. Am I an idiot for thinking he's a second-round guy? You're not an idiot for multiple reasons, my friend. But <laughs> no, I don't think so. You know, I'll be honest. I don't think he goes uh, that high. I, I did speak with the scout, like I mentioned, and, you know, it felt like maybe some of those drops later in the season were something that were being looked at. However, you know, I've gone on other shows and I wrote about actually Xavier Hutchinson. He was the biggest star to me, Mike, on Tuesday at that pro day. I think he had a perfect day, whether it was the positional drills, Obviously, the route running, he did not drop a single pass. He had terrific hands. The production, like you mentioned, I think that he very well could be that mid to late second round talent. I just haven't seen him projected that high. But based on being around him, interviewing him plenty of times, and you're right, seeing the obvious production and then the crispness of his route running ability, I think that would actually be a terrific fit. And that's not the first time I've seen some Packers interest connected with him either I think I've generally seen it in the third round but no I don't think that's crazy at all and again I think he's a guy that you see sticking in the NFL for at least eight or nine years being like a terrific third or fourth guy on an NFL team maybe even a second man I think it's very possible he can line up in the slot on the outside X is versatile, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. You're right. I'll DM you my mock draft. That way you see one with a ridiculous projection of 42 overall to Green Bay. Uh, last one for you, Nick, before I let Clark you get out of here. Iowa tonight. Are Cyclone fans rooting? I do not get this. I think there are some, you know, true, like, huge women's basketball fans that, that kind of love the attention she's been uh, getting. And obviously, you have to respect how good she is. She's an incredible player. But based on at least some of the people I have seen, uh, I don't think that's necessarily their biggest team to be cheering on right now. Maybe things have changed with the Cyclones out, but I will say not quite as confidently there as I have about the Big 12 in Kansas State, my friend. Follow him on Twitter at the real Nick Osen. Read his work, CycloneAlert.com. I just went there earlier this morning. Nick has 15 different columns and articles up. It's like you're a solo guy over at CycloneAlert.com, Nick. Yeah, you know, for a while at least, Mike, I am pretty solo, but, you know, we really try not to take any days off. My goal is not until the summer. So thank you so much for saying <laughs> that and checking it out, Mike. 
Uh, Nick, thank you for the time, man. Talk to you again soon. Always a blast. Appreciate it. See you later. Nick Oson, CycloneAlert.com. I'm telling you, that guy is working. He is putting up column after column after column, article after article after article on Twitter at the real Nick Oson. Coming up, I'm going to do something I have never done in my 20 plus year career on the radio. That's next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Happy NCAA tournament to you. There's one team left carrying the banner for the state of Iowa. One team is left. It is not a team on the men's side. It is not the Iowa State women's team nor the Drake team or the Drake women's team. It is the Iowa women's basketball team. Now, I have never done this in my radio career, and I have been at four radio stations, full-time employed, and most of the time it's been sports talk. I have never felt like I wanted to or needed to talk about women's basketball like I do when I get a chance to watch and talk about Caitlin Clark. I just never have. And you can be upset with that, or you can just say, okay, we get it. Whatever you want, that's fine. But there is something so special when you are a fan of or you are close to the best in the game, no matter what the sport. Now, if you're a Yankee fan, you love being a Yankee fan because you've got Aaron Judge. When you're, uh, you know, if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you've got Aaron Rodgers. Right now, you're a Chiefs fan. You've got the best player on the planet. You've got Patrick Mahomes to root for. That's just, it's, a, it's an awesome feeling. And if you're here in the state of Iowa, with all due respect to Chris Murray and, and Lipsy up in Ames, the star of college basketball in the state of Iowa is Caitlin Clark. And she's also the star of college basketball on a national level. Like, I don't know a lot of people who don't know who Caitlin Clark is. I know a lot of people, unless you're a diehard basketball fan, specifically a diehard Big 12 fan, who have no idea who Marcus Newell is until last night when he blew up for Kansas State. And he's been really good all year. But I think everybody, every college basketball fan knows who Caitlin Clark is. And how often is the biggest star in Caitlin, in, in college basketball, how often is the biggest star in college basketball a woman's college basketball player? And here in Iowa, a couple hours away from us here in Des Moines, is the best women's player I have ever seen in my life. She is phenomenal. And she plays tonight. And I, I've never been like, man, I got to make sure I watch a, a women's basketball game. It's just not my thing. Might be your thing. That's fine. But I can guarantee you, as I'm setting up, I'm hosting poker for the very first time. I know. I think everybody else got sick of me not hosting. So I'm hosting poker in my basement. And I've got the projector up. And I've got ESPN ready and loaded. And I'm going to have the women's game on. And I'm so excited to watch Caitlin Clark because I believe she's the greatest female player I've ever seen. And assuming, and I, I, I pray that she stays healthy, we'll get to watch her be great another year at Iowa next year and then on to the WNBA. And they're playing against Colorado. And I'll tell you what, Stanford, who is the number one seed in that region in the, in the, on the way to the Final Four, Stanford getting beat now has opened the door. And there was a great story today in the USA Today from Nancy Armour, and the headline is, it's put up or shut up time for Caitlin Clark in Iowa 
with Stanford and Indiana out. And she's right. Now that Iowa and Stanford, I'm sorry, now that Indiana and Stanford are gone, Iowa as the two over there in the Seattle region, it'll be a tremendous disappointment if Iowa does not get to the final four. But that, and you're going to say, well, Wicket, come on, you can't put that on, on, on Caitlin and this team. You can, though. That's where they're at right now. You know, five, six, seven years ago, not the case. Last year when they got bounced early, tremendous disappointment, but you were like, they're going to be back. I was going to be back. And they are. I mean, they've got a six seed standing in their way tonight. Colorado, who upset, I think, the third seed in Duke, I believe. This is Iowa's chance. This is Caitlin Clark's chance to come out and make a statement that they're in the same conversation as UConn, Tennessee, South Carolina is by far head and shoulders above everybody else right now. But here comes this Iowa team. And they've got Colorado, and they're playing tonight on national TV. And I'm going to get to some of her. She's become very famous, you know, not just in basketball circles, but there are superstars taking notice of how great Caitlin Clark is. And she met with the media, and and I think Caitlin, what's so special to me about Caitlin Clark, besides the fact that she's from West Des Moines, and I live in West Des Moines, but what's so special about her is she's smart. She's smart about the game. She knows the game of basketball. She can speak about it eloquently. She handles the media very, very well. She's got a little bit of swag, which I really like. And you'll hear that coming up in a bit. But she's also pretty humble. And, you know, she made a joke when she was talking to the media that her parents are now the ones that are getting all this extra airtime. I knew ESPN actually brought an extra camera to uh, Iowa City. You know, we had one more than every other site last weekend, but I guess they just think they're good at entertainment. But, you know, I grew up in a very competitive family. My family's very competitive, um, but, you know, they mean the best. They are just are my biggest fans, and I'm lucky to have that. And, um, you know, they probably get more nervous than me, which I feel bad about sometimes. I'm like, guys, just relax. It's a basketball game. But um, I feel like, you know, they think, you know, they're in their playing sometimes. They might be just as sweaty as I am, but, um, you know, I'm lucky that has to have a family that's at literally every single one of my games. That's one of the reasons I came to Iowa because, you know, they're going to travel and support me. And I'm fairly close to where I grew up, which is it's an easy drive for my parents. Just a couple hours away. You know, I, I, I bet I'm some I don't know where they live, but I bet I'm kind of a neighbor. So I'm so Kira, really, I'm like six degrees to Caitlin Clark. That makes sense, right? Because I I'm probably neighbors with Caitlin Clark. I probably don't live in as nice a neighborhood, but I'm, I'm neighbors <laughs> with Caitlin Clark's parents. Uh, they're out in Seattle, and, and everybody knows this should be a really good game, and Colorado's going to come in with lots of confidence. I would always expect our opponents to be confident. Um, you know, they're going to bring their best shot. You know, they really have nothing to lose. Um, you know, they just upset Duke on their home court, the three seed in our region. So, you know, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be feisty. Um, they play tenacious defense, um, things like that. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, we have ways to beat that and go against that, and Coach Bluter's going to have us ready. Here, so about 15 years ago, there was this small, undersized shooter, all right? And he was a one-man team on a mid-major, all right? And nobody had an answer for him other than to put two and three guys on him. His name was Steph Curry, all right? The way you beat Davidson then was you doubled Steph Curry the entire game. And he was still going to get his, his 25, but you make everybody else beat you. Colorado, I believe, if they're smart, can go about this one of two ways. Double Clark and follow her everywhere. Or let Clark get her 40, but let everybody else 
and you figure out a way and you do a box in one or whatever you do and you figure out a way to limit everybody else to 15. If you can do that, you're going to beat Iowa. Whichever way they go, but you have to stick with it. You have to stick with it. And, and the cool thing is, too, you listen to Caitlin, and, and they're obviously having a lot of fun right now. I'm just enjoying the moment. You know, the reason I play this game is not to have articles written about me, you know, things on the internet about me. I play because I love it. I've loved it since the first time I picked up a ball, and um, I'm lucky I get to do it with my best friends. That's one of the reasons I came here is because this culture is so incredible, and, um, you know, I know at the end of the day I'll live just as happy of a life if I lost in the Sweet 16. Don't get me wrong. My goal is to get this team to get Dallas, but, um, you know, I'm going to give everything I can, but I know basketball is not the end-all be-all for me. Um, you know, I, when I play with fun, passion, excitement that's when i'm playing my best basketball i i I don't know if i love that she'll be okay if they don't get to the sweet 16 or don't get to the final i don't know if i love hearing that but i get what she's saying like there is more to life than basketball even if you are a goat like caitlin clark is um so yeah I, i i understand that and she's got lots of love for her teammates i mean zanino is a heck of a player i she's one of the top five in the country uh monica zanino in the middle in field goal percentage, and I think was top two or three in field goal percentage uh, last year. Just got has a lot of love for her teammates. If I make a few mistakes here or there, they're always coming up to me, and, you know, you got it. You know, you're the best player on the floor. Just believe that. They believe that. Um, you know, my coach believes that. Um, you know, they rely on me, and I rely on them. Um, you know, I think it's a two-way street. Um, you know, there's hard moments for every player. Um, but, you know, being able to lean into your teammates and know they truly want the best for you, I think that's super important, and that's what's going to carry us a long way is when you have that bond with one another. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky to have teammates like that. Well, they better pick her up when she falls, and they better tell her it's okay because if all of a sudden you turn on Caitlin Clark, A, you're not going to get the ball because she handles it all the time. And B, she's your best player. <laughs> she gets a lot of slack when she hits these, takes these 40 footers and they go in for her. But she gets a lot of slack. And we're all waiting, of course. She has, if you don't know, she's a junior. And the WNBA has a rule. You can't enter the WNBA until you're 22. And whether or not you like that rule, I don't care. But that's the rule, okay? So she's 21. She's a junior. She has two years left of eligibility because COVID gave everybody an extra year if you wanted to come back and play one more year because everything was wiped out. That's the thing. So we're... We're kind of sitting here wondering, when are you going to make that jump to the WNBA? You know, she is currently 953 points away from setting the new record of points scored in women's college basketball. She's about 1,150 shy of Pete Maravich in the men's side. She could do it. She'll do that in two years. I don't think she sticks around for one more year because... If you listen to her talk, she's kind of jacked up to be playing in this WNBA arena tonight. And I want to be there one day, and whether it's, you know, playing for the Seattle Storm or, you know, coming here to play the Seattle Storm, I hope that's, you know, something I get to do. And uh, I think this arena is super, super cool. It's kind of built like our home arena back in Iowa City, you know, kind of built down into the ground. Um, just newly modeled, I believe. So, uh, super cool. I think it's an incredible arena, just very unique. Um, but, yeah, I think you kind of, you know, take a moment and think about that. Um, but, you know, that's kind of been my dream. Um, so, definitely super cool. You are watching greatness when you watch Caitlin Clark. And, and I'm not, I, I don't, I'm running out of words and ways to say how great she is. And coming up, that guy, Steph Curry, that I mentioned, she's a fan of that guy. How would she fare against Steph in a three-point shooting contest? That answer, next. Next. 
1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. If you're watching on the uh, ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, hello. What's up to the legend Van Harden watching on the uh, ESPN Des Moines Facebook page? What's up to Rowdy? Everybody else who is there as well. Going to get to, if I have time, the NFL draft, which is already driving me insane. And I usually love this thing, but we all got to chill. <laughs> discussing Caitlin Clark and her greatness. She was on the Dan Patrick show earlier. And uh, what I like, Dan, Dan is one of the greats. All right. You know, Dan, he's one of the absolute all-time legends in this industry. And he got a, uh, a conversation in with Caitlin Clark. And one of the cool things, like, you know, when she steps over the timeline, you know, she's got the green light. You just know it. It doesn't matter. She's in her range because she can hit from 25, 35, 40 feet. It does not matter. So a question popped up in the conversation she can shoot whenever she wants for, for Iowa. How long has she always had that green light in her career? Honestly, probably as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I kind of always was a little more gifted on the offensive end. Um, you know, I grew up watching the game. I had an older brother that played basketball. So I always tagged around with a lot of boys. And I think, you know, that kind of helped me, like, develop my offensive skill set at a younger age, a little faster than most people would. Um, and then when I made that transition from boys basketball to girls basketball, I was, you know, already kind of a step ahead. Um, and, you know, I always had the will to want to be better. Um, you know, and I played up usually throughout AAU. Like when I was in eighth grade, I was playing with like 10th graders, 11th graders. So, um, you know, it, it kind of was an easy transition for me in high school and college because I've already played against those girls that are quite a bit older than me. I, I mentioned Steph Curry earlier and and she, if you watch her play, the obvious comparison is to Steph Curry. She shoots from all angles. She's an incredible deep threat. You step over that uh, half-court line and you're in the range. And it's no surprise that she's a big fan of Curry. I think I started really watching the NBA probably like really closely eighth or eighth grade or, or in high school, um, you know, and I, I loved always having it on. Um, and I think Steph Curry, I mean, he's the most exciting player in all of, all of basketball, men's, women's, college pros, whatever it is. I agree. There, there is no more fun player in the NBA to watch than Steph Curry. I, I think if, if I made my list of the five athletes that bring me the most joy when I'm watching them in my life, uh, Michael Jordan is on the top of that list. Barry Sanders is at the top of that list. Steph Curry is at the top of that list. And there are others, and I'm sure I'm forgetting them right now, but those three watching them do what they do, bring me the most joy. And you see it in her game. Like, she plays like Steph Curry. And she loves the fact that Steph proves you don't need to be able to dunk constantly to be great. What I love about it, I think, you know, it says how exciting women's basketball can be. You don't see Steph Curry dunking the basketball every single night. It's the way he shoots the basketball, and women can do that too. Um, so I think when people understand that, they can understand how good the women's game is because the players in the women's game are very, very skilled, uh, just like Steph is. Um, but the way he shoots the ball, gets into it with the crowd, um, you know, those are a lot of the things that I love to do, too. And it's the thing when I was growing up, back in my day, I'm 41, I'll be 42 in a month. But back in my day, uh, the slam dunk contest was the great thing during the NBA's All-Star Weekend. And it's been up and down for the last two decades one of the major reasons is the stars of the NBA used to do the dunk contest. Nowadays, the stars of the NBA don't want anything to do with the dunk contest. All right. I mean, heck, there was a dude, the Nets signed from the G League 
for a five-day contract or whatever, a 10-day contract, who came in and won the slam dunk contest. That guy has no future being an NBA player. But he was great in the dunk contest. Meanwhile, the stars of the dunk con- the stars of the NBA, the stars of the NBA do the three-point shootout. Dame Lillard, Steph Curry, the gr- the ones that you want to see, that's the event that they do. And it's exciting because you just watch and I I've, I've complained about the curryization of the NBA and the curryization of basketball at high school, college and pro levels. Everybody wants to be Steph Curry. And unfortunately, not everybody is as good as Caitlin Clark, but they all think they can be. And that you just sit here watching the best three-point shooters hit all those threes in the All-Star game weekend. It's like, how do they keep on doing it? And she's that good in-game, not just with racks. But speaking of racks, how would she do in a three-point shootout, Steph Curry on one side, at Carver-Hawkeye, and... Caitlin Clark on the other. If he came to Iowa, like, you know, home court advantage. Oh, on my home court, I'd be able to keep it hopefully a little closer. Um, but I mean, I think you're, you're being humble. I think if he came to <laughs> Iowa and, and you're there home court and the fans are there. You think I got a chance? Uh, you're the best shooter in college basketball right <laughs> she now. Is. She is. Dan's right. And all this audio, by the way, from the Dan Patrick show. So thank you to Dan uh, for, for this. I mean, she is the best. I've, there's nobody in, I haven't seen anybody in the men's game in the tournament that shoots like she does or can shoot. Like I saw the Noel kid yesterday take some 40 footers on basically one ankle, some ill advised 40 footers. Didn't make them. She did. She does. Hopefully she does again coming up tonight. Um, speaking of those 40 footers, you've probably been watching any basketball game, any team you love, and somebody grabs a board and goes or a long rebound and a kick out. And they're on a breakaway. You've seen it. And they stop and pull up from three when there's nobody between them and the basket. And you're screaming, no, 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 no. And then it goes in and you're like, yes, 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 yes. We've all done that, right? With our favorite team and our favorite player, whatever it is. She does that. And she was asked, does her coach ever get upset with her for pulling up from 40 feet? Coach Bluter's obviously giving me a green light, and she knows those are shots I can make, and those are shots that I practice. Um, and I think, you know, what? when she under, understands that, you know, that's why she allows me to take them. But I think, you know, learning time and score when we need them, when we don't, um, and, you know, just going back and watching film, those are, you know, I usually go back and, and watch it with her, and we talk about usually every shot I take, good or bad, make or miss. So, um, you know, there are, are some that we could probably get rid of at times, but um, when you've made a couple, you get a couple heat checks and she definitely allows that, <laughs> which is pretty fun too. <laughs> Steph, Dame, Trey Young, and Caitlin Clark. Those are the four players in basketball right now that I'm like, pull up from 38 feet. I don't care. <laughs> you do what you have to do. And and being from around here, one of the big five in the National Football League that uh, people root for in this area, the Kansas City Chiefs. Did you know? that Caitlin Clark is a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. Obviously thrilled to watch Kansas City win the Super Bowl. That was awesome. I'm a huge Chiefs fan. I actually went to the game um, on Christmas Eve with my family versus the Seahawks um, at Arrowhead, which was pretty fun. Pretty fun Christmas gift. Um, they, they got it done. But it was a freezing one, but it was super fun. 
Have you met Mahomes? I didn't meet Mahomes. He ran like right past me, but I saw he tweeted about me yesterday. Um, and he's reached out to me like uh, and DM'd me a couple of times just saying how fun I am to watch. And um, but I mean, come on, he's like the most exciting football player maybe ever. Um, so maybe there's a little comparison between me and him okay. and what we do. A little unorthodox. All right. So I mentioned at the onset when I started talking about Caitlin Clark, uh, and that's who you're listening to here on ESPN Des Moines. I mentioned she's got swag and confidence. When you start comparing yourself, and I'm not saying she's claiming she's the Patrick Mahomes of women's basketball or the basketball court, but when you start comparing yourself to Patrick Mahomes, you've got a lot of confidence. I mean, you are talking about maybe when all when he is done playing football, the greatest quarterback of all time. And he does have an unorthodox style, just like she does. And every time they're on TV, they make those plays that make you go, wow. Like, she has it. I like the fact that she knows that she's great. I hope it doesn't ever, and I don't think it will. She's a humble West Des Moinesian. She went to Dowling Catholic. She's not going to get arrogant and get too big. Come on now. But I do love the fact that she's like, maybe there's some Patrick Mahomes in me. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Pretty confident. Pretty confident of her to say. And then uh, I mentioned this earlier. You know, what's going to happen after next season? And I'm not trying to get a past, you know, get past tonight when Iowa plays Colorado and a chance to go to the final, to the Elite Eight, and then maybe the Final Four. But she's 21. She has to come back for at least one year. She has two years of eligibility left because of COVID. What do we know about your future, Caitlin? Very important. That's where I want to be. But, you know, I have another year here and possibly one more after that just because of COVID. So, um, probably we'll have to make a decision on that sometime next year. I really have no clue if what I'm going to do is stay for an extra year or, or leave after next year. Let's all be real here. Now, I don't know what her NIL deal with Nike is. I don't know the dollar amount. It's none of my business. If you know, cool. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter at Mike Wicket 2Ts. With all due respect to our friends that are streaming us and listening to us in Iowa City, and if you're an Iowa fan, that's great. If she if she can if she will be the number one pick in the 2024 WNBA draft. She will be number one in the in the draft. You don't stick around in Iowa City when you can go to the pros. Now they're not going to make NBA money. That's a real that's a controversial topic as well. But you're going to make more and your lifestyle is going to be very different if, let's say, you are a member of this Seattle Storm, all right, or the Houston Comets. Are they a thing? I think they're a thing. You're the Las Vegas Aces, who are now owned by Tom Brady, all right? He's a co-owner along with some others, including the owner of the Raiders, uh, Mark Davis. She's not coming back, all right? She's 953 points away from breaking the all-time scoring record in college basketball for women. She breaks that. She sticks around for two years. That record is toast. But she is going to be gone after next year. There is no doubt in my mind. 99% sure she is going to be gone. Iowa City's nice. We've all been there, right? Iowa City is fine. But it's not the pros, man. It's not. The Big Ten's fun. The WNBA is the WNBA. And for women's college basketball players, it's a step up. She'll get another Nike deal. All right, She'll get another Nike deal. All right. Switching off to the men's side, plus some uh, complaining about the NFL draft. Guys, we're five weeks out. Can we stop? That's next.
1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Let's just get this out of the way. Gonzaga winning last night made me very upset. I don't bet on games. I do the bracket like everybody else. If Gonzaga would have lost last night, not that I would, I, my champ is already out. I had Marquette cutting the nuts down. All right. So my, my champ didn't even make it to the second weekend. My wife, my wife who won the tournament bracket thing here in the office last year. Uh, you mean Lee McNabb? Yes. My wife, Lee. professional sports prognosticator, Lee McNabb. I believe my co- my partner Heather over on Laser refers to her as the premier sports prognosticator, and yeah, so Lee won the thing last year, right? Which is fine. Like I'm, I'm not so insecure where I can't be like, hey, good job winning. If you ask her who she picked last year to win the whole thing, she cannot tell you. All right, she doesn't watch college basketball. She fills out the bracket. She says I overanalyze things. Well, I didn't overanalyze a lot this year because this has been a very, it's been tough to keep up with college basketball this year when you've got three kids that are my kids' age and everything going on. So I was like, I'll do a bracket. Fine. Take Marquette, two seed, won the Big East, regular season and conference tournament. Going to be great. Sure. Right. Knocked out by Michigan State. So last night I went to bed, didn't see the end of the Gonzaga game. I'm not kidding you when I say that. I wake up every day at four in the morning. My alarm went off. At four, I rolled over. I grabbed my phone to turn the alarm off. And I checked the score. Because I went to bed before Gonzaga hit the last second shot to beat UCLA, 79-76. All right? And I'm like, great. Because if Gonzaga is out, I'm going to beat her in the contest. I don't care if I'm going to win. I'm not going to win. Anybody who has Alabama right now is still alive, which is like half the bracket contest, in much better shape than me. That's fine. But if I lose to my wife for a second straight year, her fantasy team was better than mine. Her fantasy team made the playoffs. I mean, she got knocked out in the first round because last year she won fantasy football and the bracket contest, which drove me insane. It was like the worst day of my life. So when she got beat in the playoffs in fantasy football, I was like, oh, honey, that sucks. Could have used the money, but oh, honey, that sucks. And now I am pulling for... Is it UConn? Is that who they play next? West Street? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm, I've, I really can't have Gonzaga win another game. All right? I will say that last night was some of the worst coaching I'd ever seen in my life. When you're watching Gonzaga and come down the floor against UCLA. And I got into a debate with somebody about this. And if you haven't seen it, it was the old, it was vanilla, the, the old Villanova play from a couple of years ago when Nova won the national championship. The inbounder brings the ball up the court. A guy swinging around behind him. At this case, it was the guy who inbounded the ball, coming up behind the guard who's bringing the ball up the court. They, they, they pass the ball to him. He hits a 30-foot three from the top of the key. UCLA head coach Mick Cronin should be fired for allowing this to happen. Because, A, nobody picked up the guard bringing the ball up the court. Nobody. They just let him bring it up at his own pace, straight line. Now, I'm not saying you follow him 90 feet away from the basket or you play full court press, but you pick that guy up three quarters of the court 
and you don't give him an open lane to get to the exact spot he wants to get to when he gets over the half court line and here comes the inbounder who is trailing him to then swing and catch a pass and hit up and take a 30 foot shot who happens to be a 42% three point shooter all right it was it was either unbelievably bad scouting unbelievably bad execution or unbelievably bad coaching, which is all of the above. UCLA had that game won. They were up by two at that point. All right? Pick up the guy bringing the ball up the court. Put all five of your guys on the three-point line or a foot in front of the three-point line with their arms up. A two-point bucket doesn't beat you. There were seven seconds left. A two-point bucket ties the game. Let Drew Timmy, who's been at Gonzaga for like 51 years let him hit a layup. It's fine. But they had four guys inside the key and one player on the outside defending a six foot seven, 42% three point shooter. And you know who actually got in the face of the three point shooter? The 5'11 guard for UCLA. Horrendous coaching. Absolutely horrendous coaching by UCLA in that final moment. A two doesn't beat you. Make the guys. Take your big seven-footers, stick their arms out, go straight up. Just be statues. I could not believe it. Absolutely could not believe it. And then that came after the game where Rick Barnes, the head coach of Tennessee, literally watched his team implode and did nothing about it. Florida Atlantic, props to Florida Atlantic. They won 31 games in the regular season. They've won three now in the NCAA tournament, and they beat uh, but Memphis last week, and they beat Tennessee last night. But in the middle of an 18-2 to run, Rick Barnes did nothing. The head coach at Tennessee did nothing. Florida Atlantic making their run in the second half. You expect it. They're going to start hitting some threes, whatever. And Barnes just let them go because all of a sudden Tennessee went cold. They hit a three. Then it was you know another one. Then it was a 5-0 run. Then it was a 7-2 run. Timeout. Timeout, timeout, calm everybody down. Let the gym settle down because, you know, everybody's rooting against Tennessee. Everyone always roots against the favorites in that point. And little Florida Atlantic, horrendous coaching by Rick Barnes and by Mick Cronin in back-to-back games. That Michigan State-K-State game was fantastic, but went to overtime last night. That Noel kid from Kansas State, 20 points, 19 assists, absolutely phenomenal. And Arkansas, Surprisingly, when we saw Arkansas here at the well in Des Moines beat a really good number one seeded Kansas team, and they got run out of the gym, lost by 23 to UConn. Your four games tonight, SDSU and Alabama. I hope the Aztecs pull this one off because then everything's wide open again in the bracket contest. But uh, you also have Miami taking on Houston and then Princeton and Creighton. Princeton, the darling of this tournament, Xavier and Texas later on. That should be a great game. Some good basketball coming up tonight. All right, I got to get this out. I love the NFL, and I love the NFL draft. And if you had not, if you're new to the show, uh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, so there's a lot of intrigue going on with my football team. The Jets are moving players to acquire second-round picks, and the Packers are dug in, and I don't know what they're going to get for Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. We'll see what happens. But I have got to tell you, and I am guilty of this, we got to chill out with all these mock drafts. We have got to chill out with all of these mock drafts. I mean, it's March 24th. 
The draft is three weeks, I'm sorry, is five weeks from yesterday. All right. Down in Kansas City. I'm going. All right. I can't wait for a couple of days in KC, hanging out with my buddies. My wife said she does not want to go with me. I'm going to be down. It's going to be just nonstop football. But man, I don't think I can take any more mock drafts about what teams are going to do. I just was scrolling during the break and the Bears, the Chicago Bears, who had the number one pick, and now not, they traded it away. Now they're selecting at nine. There's all they're like the Bears are now posting mock drafts from what everybody thinks they're going to wind up doing. And here's the deal: nobody knows anything. I think we know one thing. Stroud and Young, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to go one and two. After that, who knows what's going to happen? And I don't know what order it's going to happen in, but C.J. Stroud from Ohio State probably is the, he's the betting favorite right now to go number one to Carolina, and then Bryce Young, who I think is the most special player at the quarterback spot in this draft, is going to go number two. And after that, we really don't know. But every single time, and granted, I follow a lot of my Packers uh, information, my the accounts and all that, and it's everybody going through mock drafts about what Green Bay is going to do at 15, if they wind up switching with the Jets and pick-flopping and going to 13, and what they're going to do at 42, 43, and 44, or what. It's just like, it's it's becoming too much. It literally is becoming too much. And I'm not 100% sure that I can handle all of these mock drafts. I love the draft. Like, I'm a draft junkie. I used to be a bigger draft junkie than I had kids, but I used to really love getting into the, you know, all the scouting reports and looking at the numbers and going over the combine and pro day. Heck, Nick Oson was on, you know, earlier from um, 24-7 Sports. I want to make sure I get the exact name of his website correct. CycloneAlert.com. Dude was at Iowa State's pro day. Looking at Will McDonald. Looking at Xavier Hutchinson. Two guys that I think Packers fans, heck, football fans, would be interested in having on their football teams. But it's just like, man, oh, man, we are just getting into so much, absolutely so much of these mock drafts. It's tough to keep track of who thinks everybody's going to go where. That's it. We're out. We'll do it again maybe next week. If the Cubs game gets rained out Thursday, then we will not have a show on Friday. Right? Sure, Kira? Yeah, right. Sure. All right. That is it. Thanks to Nick Oson for joining me. Thanks to you for listening, for watching on the Facebook page. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. My name is Mike Wickett. Thanks for listening to ESPN Des Moines.